Obscenely Keen Rogues. Obsessive Kevin Relaxing. Orange Knapsack Ripped. Ah, Orangutans Kindly Reposing. Hey, Randy. Um, are you okay? What's up? Oh, hey there, Lily. Uh, I'm just trying to come up with some new meanings for OKRs so I can disguise them. I think quite a few companies have done them wrong, so they, you know, they end up with a bad rap. Oh, I see. That, um, yeah, sort of makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, you could suggest to those companies and the people that are a bit jaded or confused that they get an organizational development coach. You know, like our friend Natalia Helizu, who co-authored OKRs at the Centre with Sonia Muse. Ah, see, this is why you're the smart one, Lily. That's a much better idea. Or, you know, even better than that, they can start by listening to our chat with Natalia, where we covered what goes wrong and why and how you can get your OKRs back on track. And, you know, how to get started in the first place. So let's get straight to that. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Natalia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast tonight. For anyone who doesn't already know who you are, who hasn't read your book, please give us a little bit of a background. Tell us, who are you? How did you get into product stuff? And what are you doing now? Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation, Renny. I'm happy to be here on the podcast. So my name is Natalia, and I speak to you here uh, located currently in Munich in Bavaria. And I support organizations when it comes to wanting increased focus, autonomy, or value creation. So I would call myself an organizational development coach because I work with yeah very different um, target groups in the organizations. And one of the focus areas that I've been uh, doing with my customers over the last couple years have been OKRs. And I mainly got into that field uh, from an employee point of view because I was working within um, an e-commerce company that recently introduced OKRs. And there I first came into contact with that new tool and uh, yeah, kind of looked at it from a trainer point of view, an HR manager point of view, but also from a view of an agile coach um, that I became in that role as well. And so it was really interesting for me to see what kind of value tools like OKR can bring to an organization from an employee point of view, but also looking at it from kind of the bigger picture because I was involved in many um, transformation and change projects over the last uh, 10 years before I started my own business. And so I kind of tried to combine the tool, the agile focus that I come with from the e-commerce um, side with kind of the broader picture view that I got uh, during my years working in HR project management and change and transformation projects on the larger scale in organizations. And by that, trying to help um, organizations really yeah, grow into the organizations that provide value for their customers. So it has 
a lot to do with leadership and responsibility and agile ways of working as well. Okay, so two things. One, that beginning was the best elevator pitch I've ever heard in terms of saying <laughs> organi adding organizational value. That's fantastic. I'm totally stealing that. Number two, if you've done all of those things, we've seen all those transformations, so you've seen everything that can possibly go wrong in an organization, I'm guessing. Is that true? I wouldn't say everything. I mean, there's still surprises <laughs> happening whenever, you know, I get to know a new customer and there's still things um, kind of down the road where you're just like, huh, interesting that actually <laughs> happens in practice. You know, I've never seen that before. But of course, I mean, there are certain patterns that come, you know, um, over and over again and that you probably anticipate when working with certain customers or in certain areas or with certain problems for sure, yeah. So what was it about OKRs that you said, this is the thing that really adds value? Um, I would say for me, OKRs are one of the tools that really kind of bridge the gap between the long-term goals that normally exist in an organization one way or the other and the daily tasks and the daily decision-making. And what I often see um, in the teams I work with now, but what I've also experienced as an employee myself is there's a huge disconnect between these two things. So you've got the shiny company vision, maybe a strategy paper that somebody, you know, built up. And then you sit there on a daily basis and you need to make decisions and you're wondering like, okay, this doesn't really give me any orientation, you know, for my daily tasks, for my daily decisions, for my next steps. And so that's where OKRs come in for me. And that's where I really see one of the values that they can bring into that when you have the conversations in your teams or with your management team to talk about, if these are our long-term goals, then what is now the next step that we need to undertake based on the information we have right now, based on our experiences, based on the competencies we have, and maybe the strategic focus topics that we picked um, at the same time? Okay, and we definitely want to talk a lot about mastering OKRs, but for anyone who's listening to this, who's new to the concept, can you just start off, what is an objective and what is a key result? Yeah, sure. So objective, as I said, um, is one part of the objectives and key results. And it describes the next inspiring step that you need to undertake or that you want to undertake towards your purpose or your vision. So it's something that should be inspiring, that should be motivating. It's something that is rather qualitative and reasonable, but at the same time, clear and concise. So it should be understandable for everyone who reads the objective. It should be something that is independently attainable for the people who are responsible for that and achievable within a certain time frame. Because with OKRs, we're talking kind of midterm perspective, not long-term perspective. So often, for example, three months. And it should, of course, mirror the priorities of um, whichever team it relates to. So kind of it answers the question, where do you want to go next? And then the second part of um, the objectives and key results um, are the key results. So the measurement criteria that you add, because um, writing down an uh, inspiring goal isn't enough. But of course, you need to also answer, how do we then really know whether we are on the right track towards achieving that goal or not? And so you also add measurable key results um, that are more on a quantitative side and that look at the perspectives on the goal from kind of different angles and measure changes in relative or absolute numbers. And so they answer the question, am I on the right track or not towards achieving this objective? And so together, they kind of give you a so-called OKR set that describes your next step and the measures towards it.
So we were going to look at this from two different angles, one which is, you know, getting started and the other which is you kind of got started and things aren't quite going the way that you hoped. But thinking about it from a getting started point of view, I mean, we're talking about um, from the vision all the way through down to your daily tasks, which is basically the whole organisation. So how do you get started with something that's kind of so huge, uh, assuming that your business is quite large? And, uh, you know, how, how do you begin to put that into your business? I would say the most important thing, especially as you mentioned, it's huge, is start small. And I cannot mm-hmm. kind of repeat that often enough when it comes to OKRs, because I've seen so many companies fail their approach when they just start to, you know, implement OKRs in the whole IT section or something like that. Because it's a massive tool and it's often a massive change also for the organization. So what I usually recommend is really to pick maybe a team, a department who is interested to try out something new like OKRs and where you can actually relate a certain value to the team. So no matter what the reasons might be for the whole company could consider OKRs, like increasing the focus or improving the alignment, there has to be some kind of value created for the initial team or teams that also try out OKRs to somehow, you know, make it relevant for them as well. And then what I would... um, like to do is to kind of invest in a certain amount of training and preparation doesn't mean like three months of in-depth training and all the details but just enough that people know so what will be different when we use OKR what do we need to get started Um, maybe have a look at the long-term goals do we actually have them in our team so do we have a foundation to build OKRs upon and then just get into practice mode and try it out because I think that's the, the second important point is you can learn a lot about OKRs in theory, but you will never find out what actually works and doesn't work for your organization as long as you haven't tried it out. So get into practice mode uh, really fast and then iterate from there, see how it works, what doesn't for your organization, and then kind of increase the scale maybe to a couple of teams or even a whole department um, before actually making a decision also if that's a tool that maybe solves the underlying problem you're trying to tackle or not. So you've talked about it going from the the vision and the mission and the purpose of the business. So that kind of seems like one critical dependency in order to get OKRs working well. What are the other key things that you need in place in order to start trying out OKRs? Mm, I often get the question, like, is it necessary to already have kind of an agile culture or agile leadership in place for OKRs Mm. to uh, make it work? And I would say it certainly helps. I wouldn't say it's really a prerequisite and you cannot start without. But I would say a certain openness to new ways of working, to taking over responsibility in the teams is crucial to even get through the pilot phase because otherwise what you often see in companies is that the tools get stuck somewhere. It's all dependent, you know, on management commitment. You set up the events like OKR definitions and check-ins, but nobody shows up or, you know, you just leave them out. So it's really kind of a, yeah, a self-motivated pilot that would be uh, an important point. And the other thing is... um, to really integrate it into what you're doing. I would say that is not just crucial at the beginning, but also when you continue to work with OKRs is kind of the idea 
on how can you connect it to what you're already doing. So to kind of keep the hurdles low also for the tool. And that also needs some thinking and some time at the beginning. So I would rather recommend to not just, you know, dive into OKRs and just try it out, but maybe take a couple um, hours, uh, maybe a workshop or two to find out, okay, how can we best get started with motivated people um, and people who are actually, yeah, signing up for that on a voluntary basis. I would say that's crucial as well. Natalia, one of the challenges I see for lots of organizations is that they don't actually know what they want to do. And so they adopt a framework instead of actually working on the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm firmly of the belief that no framework is going to solve a bad organization. But when you have competing interests, say uh, growth versus value or something like that, how do you get people uh, working together to set the right OKRs? That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, one thing I like to start off with, especially when companies implement OKRs at the beginning, is to find out first why they want to deal with OKRs at all. Because, of course, now it's a trend topic and Google does it, you know, and everyone does it. So, sure, let's just adopt it in our organization as well and everything will be wonderful. I mean, we know from many other methods that this is not the case. Um, and so I really try to find out, okay, what is the problem that you're at least trying to solve with OKR, you have the idea that OKRs might help you solving. And then I would also like to let them prioritize. And this is mostly the, the most challenging part also for management teams when it comes to OKRs to really be clear on what is then our priorities. Is it taken from your example growth? Is it more value creation? Is it to really improve the alignment over the next couple of months? Or what are we trying to tackle here? Because that makes a huge difference also on how you work with OKR in the organization and how you also integrate it into your business. And on the other hand, if you're not clear on that before you start OKRs, they have a nice side effect because all these topics will definitely show up in the OKR definition. And that's one of the reasons why it's so much fun to work with companies with OKRs, because I've never learned more about customers than doing OKR definitions with them, because you have everything on the table, like from the long-term goals, from their internal conflicts, from leadership issues, from, as you say, gross versus value conflicts. But at the same time, once it's all on the table, you might be able to address it. But then, of course, you need to be able to do that and actively act on these issues that come up during the OKR process, maybe also on the leadership team. Is there an art to handling that well? Oh, I would say uh, transparency um, helps a lot. Um, Having also a culture where it's uh, possible to talk about that. And uh, what sometimes helps is to kind of institutionalize also the feedback cycle in a way. I mean, OKRs have already that built into them as the iterative cycle, but to kind of really enforce that companies do reviews, do OKR retrospective, kind of think about the learnings they want to implement in the next cycle and help facilitate that kind of process in the organizations as well. And I would say for that, an either internal or external facilitator who is not kind of amidst that conflict situation really helps because it can get kind of challenging, yeah. And you mentioned about when you're implementing OKRs, uh, kind of using the OKR principles. What are the OKR principles? What are the OKR principles? That's also a good question. Um, 
I would say OKR principles by itself are really close to what is commonly known as agile principles in some way. I mean, you have all the basics, um, yeah, kind of baked into the OKRs, uh, by itself. So kind of, um, iterative ways of working, you know, inspecting and adapting over time, looking at shorter time frames, looking at, you know, fast shipping of results and things like that. But I would say also on the other hand, um, Topics like, yeah, self-organization, self-responsibility, as I already mentioned. But it, of course, it totally depends on how you work with OKRs in your company, because self-organization might not be something that you relate to OKRs at all. The way that you deal with them when it's rather traditionally maybe cascaded down in a very top-down um, type of way. Um, but otherwise, I would say they can be very self-organized, very yeah, self-responsible, very agile in some ways. Have you worked with any organizations where they've tried to implement OKRs, but because of the culture of the organization, it's been clear that actually it's not a good fit in terms of the, the tool? Uh, yeah, I had uh, various experiences like that, um, especially when companies get to a point where they, for example, one of my customers last year, um, they were building a new product organization. So they had the idea, let's do everything different, you know, build a joint product organization. And for that, we need new tools and new roles and a new organizational structure and everything at once. And so I came in there in the midst of the process and I was dealing with the teams around OKRs and of course, there were so many things missing at that point in time later. They didn't have a clear vision of the teams. They didn't really have clear roles and responsibilities that you could then also use in an OKR process. Um, they were just finding out about their new dependencies and all that. Um, I wouldn't say that the culture wasn't a fit at all, or it's not possible to work with OKRs, but it's definitely kind of the hard path to take. Because like in every iteration with the OKRs, you had all these conflicts that you needed to solve. You had all these issues bubbling up. And these were not issues that could just, you know, be solved within a week or two. But I mean, structural organization leadership issues that really took time. And that, mm -hmm. of course, also took away some of the value that OKRs might bring to these teams. So what I tried to do then was to really focus on, okay, if that is still the environment that we're in right now, what kind of value can then OKRs bring? And for some teams that was increased focus, increased communication, kind of talking about what kind of shared goals we have at the moment at all, because they haven't never done that before. For some teams, it was more like, okay, we do that in the organization now, but it doesn't really bring us any value. And they were thinking about maybe skipping it for an iteration or two until other issues are solved, yeah. You know when customers demand more analytical functionality from your software, but you don't want to pull your dev team away from your core product? Oh yeah, there's never enough time for us to work on our product's core functionality and the normal production issues, let alone adding some bespoke reporting requirements. Well, the team at Yellowfin can help. They work with product managers to deliver a modern data analytics experience with relatively low effort using your dev team's existing skills. It's white-labeled for seamless integration and UX, so developers can focus on improving your core product instead of handling reporting requests. Go to yellowfinbi.com forward slash MTP for more info, a demo, and duh, 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 your chance to win a PlayStation 5. 
That's yellowfinbi.com slash MTP. Something you just touched on, there are lots of companies that are at different levels of maturity. And at this point, there are lots of companies that have tried OKRs or similar things and done them badly. And now trying to reintroduce them uh, almost creates an allergic reaction. So how do you deal with a company where it's been done badly and want to, but it still has the problems that you think OKRs can fix? How do you introduce it in that case? Yeah, that's really a tough cookie. Like if people already, you know, get into your training saying like, yeah, we've done it before that didn't work. So, you know, and they already sit there like with huge restraints and saying like, hmm, let's find out, you know, if this time is any better. Um, I would say one thing I always try to do in these situations is find out what they have exactly done before. Because many companies say, okay, we've worked with OKRs, but when you then talk to the people, you have a million variation of what that actually means or what that meant in practice and what they then kind of now relate to when it comes to talking about OKRs. And so oftentimes I then find out that what they do has very little to do with what I would call, I actually work with OKRs to create some value for my teams. But what they maybe did is they copy pasted their roadmaps into OKRs. And then of course they didn't see any value in using this additional tool. Um, so kind of trying to be transparent about, okay, what were your experiences and what is maybe a different approach that you can um, take now to create more value. Um, at the same time, um, in these cases, it's really crucial to have maybe some of the leaders on board um, to really kind of yeah get into the mood of, let's try this again, let's give this another chance, because without that foundation, it's really hard to get anywhere. And another point maybe is um, to talk to the team about, okay, what is kind of the, the smallest version of OKRs we could try out? Because what I often hear is that OKRs is so much extra effort and that's why we don't want to do it again or that's why we gave it up. So kind of find really a super small experiment to somehow create value for this team and then build upon that. So not start with the um, decision to do OKRs all over again for the next two years, but find kind of yeah a mini common um, consultation that everyone can agree on. I worked at one company, and I'm sure I've mentioned this story before. They decided to introduce OKRs, and they brought in 10 objectives, and they were annual, and there were no KRs. So <laughs> a little bit of a mistake. But there are plenty of companies that do it better than that, but are still not doing it that great. They've mm -hmm. been trundling along and doing it for a few years, but they're not getting incredible value. How do you start to, well, first off, how do you recognize the problems where you're using OKRs but not getting the most out of them? And then how do you start uh, turbocharging it to make sure you're actually using it to best effect? Uh, so one thing I, I often share with companies then also to make it transparent on where they are maybe in their journey is um, something that we recognized um, during all our work with the customers and that we also share in the OKRs at the center book is kind of the development that maybe companies take on their OKR journeys. So uh, for many companies in the first step, when they start working with OKRs, it's important to create focus, to have transparent goals, to at least get some kind of alignment in place. So they're not even thinking about value creation or autonomy at all, because this is kind of the first major roadblock. And once then OKRs are in place, 
then maybe they think about, okay, how can we increase value creation? How can we make more autonomous teams? How can we maybe even go to the point that we um, get purpose-driven? And so kind of to share that kind of knowledge of an OKR development and let them rate where they see themselves, where they would like to be, to also find, okay, what is the motivation here behind OKRs? Um, and then to maybe give them also some recommendations, what worked in other companies, not to say this is the blueprint that you can use and that will fix everything, but maybe just get them thinking, okay, how can you maybe differ from your current approach um, to create a different type of value that you want to see in OKRs? So, for example, if um, they haven't really reflected on the OKR process and they're learning so far, so they basically did the same thing for the last two years to kind of bring them to the point to start doing OKR retrospectives, doing deep learning analysis, doing iterations of the process design also every three months to maybe get something going here um, on that line as well. Um, but as we said before, I would say that's that's definitely a tough cookie when companies have already started. Um, what I also see is um, that many companies need um, a different approach in different parts of their organization. So, for example, a customer I work with right now, I did an OKR assessment after their first two years working with that. And then I did in-depth interviews with some of the most important parts of the organization. And it was really surprising even to me how different their practical approach to OKRs was, how different their outcome and how different their understanding of even the basics, what an objective, what a key result, what an initiative is and how that goes together. So kind of looking into these differences and then maybe finding common denominators, what is important for the OKR process for the whole organization. So, for example, everyone should stick to um, a three-month um, cycle, but then to also define, okay, where can we give freedom to the teams to then design the OKR process according to their needs and their ways of working? So if you have an OKR kind of champion, um, or if you don't have an OKR champion, like who should be facilitating all of that review and everything and checking in to make sure it's working and to make sure everyone's on the same page in terms of what they think the OKR should be doing? And and also I have another question, which is if you have a good OKR champion making all of this happen, how long do, does it take to get to the point where you really see it working for your business? Yeah, so um, there are, of course, different variations in how to, you know, have designated roles for OKRs. I like to work with um, two different roles. Um, one is kind of an what I would call an OKR process owner, not very similar to, to a PO role in Scrum, but really somebody who is kind of a OKR change agent on an organization level. So who keeps kind of the process up where all the feedback kind of relates to each other and who is normally also my main contact in the organization. So somebody that is really taking the responsibility for the OKR topic as a whole. And then I like to add kind of a team of OKR coaches, uh, I think similar to what you just called champions, who would then support the teams more on a practical basis, kind of facilitate events and things like that. And so with together with the OKR process owner kind of form some sort of community of practice that can also, you know, um, exchange information, experiences and things like that. Um, I would say it's turned out to be really helpful for teams to have somebody who has a little more knowledge than they themselves to facilitate the OKR processes so that the team 
can really focus on the definition, on solving their issues, on the discussions, on the content and so on. And I would say a really interesting role for that can be if you've already have, for example, agile coaches, scrum masters, facilitators, trainers, HR people. So anyone who is already involved in team coaching and facilitation can easily take over these kind of OKR roles. Um, for a process owner, um, I would always recommend to have somebody who has kind of a bigger picture view on the organization. Doesn't necessarily have to be somebody from the top management, but someone who is rather more an yeah organizational development perspective than a team development perspective. Because once you scale up OKRs in your whole organization, it kind of adds a huge level of complexity that you need to oversee as well in that process. And to your uh, second part of the question, so how long does it take? Um, I would say when you start off, for example, also with um, external help, my goal is always to get out of the process as soon as possible by building up internal resources. On the other hand, most companies I know, they stick with OKR coach roles for at least a couple of years, uh, maybe even uh, longer, but that totally depends on, I would say, the maturity of the teams in leading processes, leading meetings and things like that. So if you implement OKRs in a mature scrum team, I think maybe the scrum master can take over the coach role a bit and then it's easy to shuffle the responsibility within the team after two or three cycles. But if you introduce OKRs in a rather traditional team where kind of this type of cooperation is also new and also kind of coming with the implementation of OKRs, it might be a good idea to keep these roles a little longer. Mm. The OKR coaches, it sounds like it can be a role that people do in addition to their day job. But the OKR process owner, is that something you do uh, as your sole focus for a while? Or is that something that's also uh, a side responsibility of somebody else? In most companies I work with, that's also just kind of a side job um, that people have. Um at the same time, when you yeah implement OKRs on a on a broader scale in your whole organization, the process owner role might grow with that. So, for example, when you start off with um, a member of the management team who just has that as the little side job, uh, you will quickly hit the point where they say, "Okay, that's too much responsibility, too many topics to oversee." So, it might be useful to have somebody else in the organization or even a tandem to take care of that. But I've rarely seen it happen that people really have full-time roles to take care of that. On the other hand, the OKR coaches, I've seen many companies where they have maybe three or four really designated full-time roles to do the OKR coaching then for the entire organization that work quite well. And presumably those OKR coaches help each of the teams kind of write and review all of their OKRs as well um, and check that it's all cascading nicely down through the business or up through the business, whichever way. But if you if you don't have those roles in place, do you have any kind of tips for sort of successfully checking that you have that cascading all the way through the business in a way that makes sense and, and helps with alignment and it doesn't kind of cause jarring confusion? Um, yeah, there's certainly, I would say, rather easy things that you can do. Um First of all, I think it's really helpful to have a common understanding of, as I said, what an objective is, what a key result is, uh, what we actually want to do within the OKR cycle and so on. And I mean, that sounds totally basic. At the same time, most companies I work with who've um, worked with OKRs for quite some time, um, it's not in place. So 
just to have that maybe written down or something like a rough checklist for your organization. So for us, it's important that objective fulfill these type of criteria and you can just bring that to your next OKR workshop. Um, for the alignment part, I would say it totally makes sense to also have clarity around the process there. So be clear also from the management point of view, is it a top-down stating process? Is it a really bottom-up feedback process? Is it something in between? And how do then the OKR sets get created? So do we give input first? Do the teams give input first? Who needs to schedule which, uh, which meetings? So to make it most efficient and also over time. And then to find maybe workshop formats where the discussions can happen that needs to happen over the alignment process. So for example, when the teams prepare their OKR sets and maybe um, the company leaders have a certain idea to then bring people together in a workshop format to um, yeah, talk about remaining issues, maybe also already talk about resources, um, kind of get a rough alignment in place before then maybe um, going into the teams again to figure out the details. But also here, the, my invitation would really be to, yeah, to experiment with what works best for the situation you have in place in your organization, how much alignment you need. Um, but if you want to start with something, I would always recommend short workshop formats where people come in prepared and can then solve most of the issues already in the communication format. Natalia, I'm learning a ton about every mistake I've ever made. So just to f continue focusing on the mistakes I've made, uh, what are the signs that you're doing OKRs wrong? The, you know, you have them in the organization. The organization might think that they're, they're doing it right, but what are the telltale signs that we're just not getting there? I would say uh, the most important sign for me is um, when I then just randomly ask anyone like, oh, why do you do OKRs? And they're like, yeah, because we have to. Or because that's <laughs> what we do. Yeah, so it's like, Okay, that's a definite sign for me to ask more questions. Okay, why is this stuff in place? You know, what is actually its reason for existence, no matter how, uh, yeah, how sufficient it might seem for the organization. And of course, the other sign that I'm always looking at is what is actually the content of their OKRs? Does it look like a to-do list? Is it something that I would maybe also understand uh, from an external point of view? Is it kind of clear what the goals are in there can people work with that and another sign might also be um, do okrs um, come up somewhere else in the organizational processes or is it just something they do and they put into a tool and they look at them again three months after so are they somehow integrated in any way do people work with them do they actually help them in their decision making or not so that's something I would definitely look for. Um, and also when it comes to uh, the complaints that people might raise around OKRs, especially the effort um, part, that would also be something that I would look into. Okay, if people are just complaining, it takes way too much time. That's a definite sign that they might not really get any value out of that. Uh, so let's definitely change that for sure as well. Or otherwise, maybe even get rid of OKRs because they've got more important problems where other tools might be a better option. Mm. And uh, aside from the complete opposite of what you've just said, are there any kind of like major signs of, yes, this organization has nailed OKRs and they are completely working? I would say um, I had a, an interesting conversation with one of my customers lately about that. And the feedback was that people 
kind of scheduled the next OKR workshop themselves because they said like we learned so much through the OKR definition. We got not just value out of that, but just, you know, learned so much about our team, our organization, about our next steps. We definitely want to do that again. So to kind of to set kind of this, this motion in the teams, um, kind of have this, this motivation behind that topic. That's a definite sign. And on the other hand, I mean, if you look at it from a business point of view, um, can you actually connect OKRs and what they bring to the organization to improved value that you create in your organization? Because I mean, OKR should never be a tool that is just there to, you know, help you and make your processes more efficient, but does it actually help to solve any problems of the customers as well? I would say if you get that far with OKRs, then they're doing definitely some good. Awesome. Natalia, it's been so great talking to you about this. Uh, I think OKRs is just such a hot topic because it's grown so rapidly and so many companies are kind of willing to try something new and uh, but not necessarily <laughs> hitting the nail on the head. But yeah, uh, thank you so much for enlightening us with lots of very good advice. Well, thanks a lot for having me. It's been a pleasure. Natalia, before we let you go, for anyone who needs desperate help in doing OKRs right, where do they reach you? Well, they can reach me on LinkedIn and also on my website, okrsatthecenter.com, and find me in my monthly OKR meetup. So that might be a good source of inspiration if you just want to get started, you know, get some new ideas. I always have guests there every month who talk about their own experience, their own failures and what worked for them. I think there's always a ton to learn for everyone, including myself. Fantastic. And we'll have a link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks again, Natalia. Ooh, that was great. You know, it's hard to go right with OKRs, like Natalia says. It's a really simple concept, but it's kind of really hard to implement well. Absolutely. And there was a ton of good advice in there to get you started. But I will definitely be signing up for the meetup group, which I'm pleased to say is in English and in German. You can get the link and other useful resources in the show notes. That's it for today. See you next time. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arna Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips. Mm-hmm.